Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Happy Thursday to one and all. This is MLB Overtime betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Yuzuni Tequila Studios out here in wonderful Las Vegas. Got another good show for you today as Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the New York Yankees, the Houston Astros, all the injuries that they're dealing with, the upcoming series between the Yankees and the Red Sox, and so much more. That's going to be fun. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. First thing is first, so you guys ask me some Twitter questions. And that means you guys are going to be getting some answers from those questions. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. 20 times, a.k.a. a man that goes by the Twitter handle, at D-A-V, man you for life, as at GNNRSCORD1. What's your overall assessment of the Cardinals so far this season? And I take it it's not the Arizona Cardinals. And for the Cardinals, I do think that they have some decent bats, but I just feel like they're struggling with their average a little bit. We've seen Jose Martinez be out of the lineup a little bit. Paul DeYoung hitting below 300 again. Got to think at some point Paul Goldschmidt is going to have his average back to a 300. But with Yadier Bolina now on the injured list, it's a little bit tough. But I think the biggest thing for the St. Louis Cardinals, how about how bad the starting pitching is? You've got guys like Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright and company that are trotting out there. Jack Flaherty is a very up and down pitcher as well. And until they get that rectified... I don't think that they're going to be a contender out there in the NL Central with the likes of the Milwaukee Brewers and the Chicago Cubs. I do think that all in all, they have a good team and they'll be able to finish above 500. but I also think that they're just going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening between the Brewers and the Chicago Cubs since both those teams firing on all cylinders. This one comes in from Matt Lawrence. At 1991 Handicapper, that's at Junior underscore 81. Who are your top five fade pitchers right now? It's hard to give you a top five in all honesty because it all depends on the day. There are some pitchers that they do better against lefties and righties and everything like that. If you listen to the podcast, every single day I do give you some guys that I really like, some guys that I think are just not getting the job done and everything like that. I would say that Jorge Lopez is towards the top of the list because I believe that he's been the least profitable pitcher out there in the big league. So obviously he comes to mind. And then you've got the whole Washington Nationals bullpen. That's at least five pitchers right there. They have just been absolutely awful so far this year. And then you've got more of the obvious ones. A lot of the starting pitchers for the Texas Rangers. Shelby Miller's been moved to the bullpen, but you still have Drew Smiley who wound up pitching on Wednesday. 
He's a guy that I'm looking to fade right now. You've got some of the pitchers for the Pittsburgh Pirates like Stephen Brolt and the Kingham. So the list goes on and on. It's hard to give you a top five, but I always have those guys in the back of my mind that I'm looking to fade. And of course, as always, Homer Bailey. This one comes in from JM Betts at Leafs Raps Jays 7 in his Twitter handle at GNR Squarty1. Q for the podcast. In your opinion, would you rather sweat in over or an under? Does your opinion vary by sport? Also, I'm sure you'll have fun pronouncing the names in tomorrow's Cleveland Indians versus Chicago White Sox pitching matchup. I will be. I'm unfortunately a little bit under the weather. I've been dealing with some food poisoning, but I'm sure I'll be able to pump out some good name calling there. But with regards to this, I it does not matter to me. A sweat is a sweat regardless. All that matters to me is at the end of the day, cashing tickets. It's one of those things where you don't want to bet to lose no matter what, whether it's an over, whether it's an under, and it does not vary by sport. Obviously, there are some spots that are a little bit trickier than others, but for me, the sweat is a sweat, and it's the fun of all of it. So that answers that. Great questions, guys. Now let's take a look back at Wednesday's results and try to become better handicappers from it. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. I noted that I was fading Stephen Brault, and of course, the Pittsburgh Pirates on Wednesday Take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 7-2. Brault in this one, actually a very good start. Five and a third innings. He doesn't give up a single run. He lowers his ERA to a 587. And then from there, other than Clay Holmes, nobody gave up anything out of the Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen, so that was big. And for the Pirates, Josh Bell just continues to be a man-possessed. 18 home runs down on the year. He wound up hitting one off of Michael Lorenzen. And then Colin Moran, his fifth of the year. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Anthony Discalfani. Just not having a good year right now. He now has a 497 ERA. Five and two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were earned. And then Michael Lorenzen, a very bad showing out there in the bullpen for the Reds, which has been very good so far this year. One and a third innings. Gives up four runs, all of which were earned. But the Reds play their first under in over a week, so I thought that that was interesting. Another under went down in the city of New York as the Yankees take down the Padres by a count of 7-0. to Chris Paddock has been good all year long for the Padres, but in this one, he had his worst outing of the year. Gives up three home runs in five innings, giving up four total runs. And then the bullpen of the San Diego Padres saw Adam Warren wind up giving up three runs in his relief appearance as well, only two of which were earned. But for the Yankees, they were able to get James Paxton off the injured list, and they limited him in this one. He only won four innings. He had seven punch-outs, looked very good. But then the bullpen of the Yankees just continues to be nails. They go five innings between four different guys, do not give up a single run. And the men supplying the power, DJ LeMayu, his fifth home run of the year. Gio Urshela, his third. Glaber Torres, his 14th stinger. And then Luke Voigt, his 14th. So this Yankees team has their offense going. They've got their bullpen going. This team has all the goods. The LA Angels have a lot of goods in regards to their offense right now. They take down the Oakland A's by a count of 12-7 to 7 in extra innings. You wouldn't know it because the Angels hung a five spot out there in the 11th inning. It was very interesting to see because for the Angels, Griffin Canning had a very good start. Six innings pitch, gives up one run. This is a guy I might need to back a little bit more. He now has a 306 ERA. He's looked very solid, but I've been noting it time and time again with the LA Angels. Their bullpen seems to be really coming back to earth. The bullpen gave up six runs in their five innings of relief. Hansel Robles, two runs. You had Garcia giving up two runs, and then Justin Anderson did the exact same, but... The Angels' lone home run came from a very unlikely spot as Cesar Puello winds up getting his first home run of the year, so that was interesting. And the A's offense also seems to be getting back online as Mark Hanna wound up going deep in the ninth inning off of Hansel Robles, his ninth home run of the year. Marcus Simeon, his seventh of the year. And then Matt Olson, his seventh of the year as well. Daniel Magden wound up having an opener coming from Liam Hendricks, and it didn't go well. Hendricks might be... One of the weakest openers out there because whenever he comes in in regular relief, he's great. But as an opener, he hasn't necessarily gotten the job done. He gave up two runs in this one. And then Magnin, four and a third innings, he gives up just one run. But the bullpen for the Oakland A's, which seems to be much better now that they don't have Fernando Rodney, failed them in this one. Blake Trying gives up two runs. He has Mero Petit to himself. And then Lou Trevino gives up all five of those runs in the 11th inning, four of which were earned. So obviously a little bit of a woe there. The Rangers and the Mariners. Do not have very good bullpen pitching, as we know. And it was the Rangers pulling this one out by a count of 8-7. to seven. They did so without a home run as well as Drew Smiley, a guy that I noted that I'm going to be fading. In five innings, he had Jose LeClerc open for him. It was not good. He gave up seven runs, all of which were earned. But Jesse Chavez and Sean Kelly, to my surprise, were able to get the job done. And then for the Seattle Mariners, it was the bullpen that really unraveled on them. As Wade LeBlanc, not a great start, but not an awful one. Five innings pitch gives up three runs, all of which were earned. But... 
Jesse Biddle gives up two runs. You had Rayonis Ellis give up two runs himself, and then Anthony Bass winds up giving up a run of his own. But for the Seattle Mariners, you did have a little bit of power in this one as Tim Beckham went deep for his 10th home run of the year. Mitch Hanniger is 14th, so these two teams continue to play overs. The Indians all of a sudden are playing overs. They take down the Boston Red Sox by a count of 14-9. They ain't two touchdowns on the board with Santana getting the lone home run. That was his 10th home run of the year. For the Indians, they got... A not-so-good start out of Shane Bieber. He gives up six runs in five innings, including three home runs. But the bullpen that has been so good for this team winds up giving up one earned run in four innings. I stress that because A.J. Cole wound up giving up three runs, but only one of which was earned. And then for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to supply some power in this one. Xander Bogarts is 10th home run of the year. Jackie Bradley Jr. is 4th. Mookie Betts is ninth, And then Andrew Benatendi is 6th. But Ryan Weber, not a good start at all. Four innings pitch, gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Colton Brewer winds up giving up two runs out of the bullpen. Josh Taylor gives up a run in the bullpen. And then Hector Velasquez heightens his ERA to a 4.97, giving up four runs himself. So, obviously, some issues there for the Boston Red Sox. No issues for the Detroit Tigers, though, as they wind up taking down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 4-2. to two. And Ryan Carpenter delivered a not-so-awful start, lowering his ERA to a 7.58. Five innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then it was a long reliever for the Detroit Tigers and Nick Ramirez that delivered three scoreless innings, didn't even give up a single hit. And for the Detroit Tigers, the team that has the second fewest home runs out there in the big leagues, they were able to get two in this one. Brandon Dixon winds up going deep for his fifth home run of the year. And they got a little bit of unexpected power out of John Hicks, his third of the year for the Baltimore Orioles. Their offense just seems to come and go. Keon Broxton gets his second home run of the year. That was good for this team. And Jonathan Means, another quality start. He's a guy that, if you're going to back anyone on the Baltimore Orioles not named Andrew Kasher, it is Means. He gives up one run in six innings, but this bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles still continues to stink. Michael Givens gives up a run. And then giving it up in the ninth inning with two runs is good old Brandon Klein. So the Baltimore Orioles continue to have their woes in the back half of games, to say the least. The Philadelphia Phillies had no woes on Wednesday as they take down the St. Louis Cardinals 11-4 for the Phillies. Aaron Supernola seems to be refining his form. Gives up just one run in seven innings, lowering his ERA to a 4-1-8. Juan Niasco wound up giving up three runs out of the bullpen. That's obviously an issue, but it was mitigated by Andrew McCutcheon going deep for his ninth home run of the year. Bryce Harper is 10th. Mikel Franco is 8th home run of the year. And Sean Kingery is 3rd. As for the St. Louis Cardinals... It was one Genesis Cabrera making his first career start, and it didn't go well. Three and two-thirds innings, he gives up five runs, three of which were earned, and then they had Michael Waka come out of the bullpen for one inning, and waka, 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 waka. I was trying to use the Pac-Man theme there. He gives up six runs in one inning of relief, including three home runs. Needless to say, not ideal right there. Good news is Matt Wieters wound up hitting his second home run of the year. The Toronto Blue Jays, had a chance against the Tampa Bay Rays, but for the first time this year, the Tampa Bay Rays win a game at home by one run. 4-3 to three the final in this one. The Rays have now won 30 of their 34 games by two-plus runs, as in this one for the Toronto Blue Jays, they had Trent Thornton get knocked out early. In four and two-thirds innings, he gives up three runs, all of which were earned, but from there, the bullpen really did a good bridge job. They went five and two-thirds innings, giving up just two runs, but... You could tell that it was just getting a little bit thin at the end as Justin Schaefer winds up giving up the run in the 11th inning to the Tampa Bay Rays. As for the Rays, Blake Snell had a decent start in this one. Six innings pitch, he gives up two runs, both of which were earned. And then Jose Alvarado wound up blowing the save late. He gives up a run in relief. But with the Rays, you can always count on so many of these relievers as they had five guys enter into the game for relief for this team. And just one of them has an ERA above a 3-3-3. So that's pretty darn impressive right there. And the good news for the Toronto Blue Jays is that Lourdes Goriel continues to rake his fourth home run of the year. Guys that are continuing to rake the Washington Nationals. They hang a 14 spot on the Atlanta Braves, getting a 14-4 win for the Washington Nationals. It was Matt Adams going deep for his fifth home run of the year. Juan Soto is ninth. Anibal Sanchez finally gets a win. Looked very impressive in this one. In six innings, he gives up just one hit, no earned runs. And then the bullpen of the Washington Nationals winds up giving up all the runs as Kyle McGowan gives up four in three innings of relief, but still a very good sign there. And for the Atlanta Braves, Kevin Gosman just got completely shelled. Goes one inning, he gives up eight runs. That heightens his ERA to a 5.56. And then from there, the bullpen was not necessarily great. Tuki Tassant gives up a run. And Dan Winkler gives up five and two-thirds of an inning. 
The good news is Austin Riley continues his power surge. He hits his seventh home run of the year, and it just so happened to be a grand slam, so that was obviously nice for the team, but still. The Washington Nationals seem to be getting online with the bats. The Miami Marlins seem to be doing a better job of playing some offense as well, as the Miami Marlins, I believe, have now won nine out of their last 12 games as they take down the San Francisco Giants by a count of 42. For the Giants, Madison Bumgarner probably didn't deserve the loss in this one. He goes six innings, gives up two runs, both of which were earned, but then Mark Melanson and Sam Dyson give up a run out there in the bullpen. Brandon Belton is eighth home run of the year, but for the Marlins, they got a very good start out of Pablo Lopez. Six innings pitch. He gives up one run, including that home run to Brandon Belt, but them from there. Sergio Romo made things interesting with his save, but he was able to close the door and get the job done. And the Miami Marlins still lacking in regards to home runs, but 11 hits in this one, obviously good for this team. Something else that's good, how about the Chicago Cubs continuing to get things online? They get a 2-1 win over the banged-up Houston Astros. We're going to be talking in the next segment about the extent of the injuries with the Houston Astros with Jake Asman, but in this one, they were just unable to get a whole lot going. Four hits in this one, and Wade Miley, a little bit of a tough luck loser. He goes seven innings, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Both were solo shots, by the way, as for the Cubs. Their offense came from Chris Bryant, his 13th of the year, and Kyle Schwarber, his 10th. And Kyle Hendricks, continuing to be a very good soft-tossing pitcher. Eight innings pitch, he gives up just one run. So that was obviously nice for the Chicago Cubs. What was nice for the White Sox was their offense early in the game against the Kansas City Royals. They get an 8-7 to win. They were up at one point in this game 7-1. to So if you had the run line like I did... A little bit of an issue there, but for the Kansas City Royals, Glenn Sparkman winds up pitching one inning in his start. Gives up four runs, all of which were earned. Jorge Lopez, five innings pitch. Gives up three runs, all of which were earned. Good news is Brad Boxberger has his ERA down to a 5.57, but things not going well for the Royals, to say the least, as they're now in 37. Jorge Soler, his 13th home run of the year. And then for the Chicago White Sox, they had Jose Abreu go deep for his 14th, Juan Moncada his 10th, and Ronaldo Lopez. Still a guy I'm not trusting. He gives up five runs in five and two-thirds innings. And then Calvin Herrera is right now the lone issue in the White Sox bullpen. This is a much-improved bunch, but he gives up two runs in an inning as well. He now has his ERA up to a 7.48, but Alex Colome, actually looking like one of the better closers in the big leagues, his 11th save. He now has a 1.59 ERA. A team that has been doing a good job of being able to close out Close game so far this year is the Colorado Rockies. They take down the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of 5-4. Jeff Hoffman gets his first win of the year. He winds up going five innings, giving up three runs, all of which were earned. So, oh, wound up giving up a run out there in the bullpen. But all in all, the Colorado Rockies give up just one run in four innings of relief. Very good there as the Arizona Diamondbacks has been pretty good on offense so far this year. Adam Jones is 11th home run of the year. And then they were able to get a dinger out of Chad Kelly. That was his fifth of the campaign out of Carson Kelly. That was his fifth of the campaign. And then Robbie Ray got a little bit touched up in this one. Four and two-thirds innings. He gives up five runs, four of which were earned. Continues to have his walks issue. He gave up four walks in this one. But you got to give the Diamondbacks bullpen some credit. Three and a third innings. Did not give up a single run. And this game just went final. Absolutely unbelievable if you had the Mets. They were up 8-3 to three going into the bottom of the seventh. And they wind up losing to the L.A. Dodgers in the ninth inning as for the New York Mets. They were able to get some power from a lot of their lineup. Dominic Smith was able to go yard. And then you had two Pete Alonzo home runs for Alonzo. His 18th and 19th of the year. Smith is second. And then Amid Rosario is sixth home run of the year. No Syndergaard, a decent start in this one. He gives up three runs in six innings. And then from there, the bullpen of the Mets, which looked like it was improving. Just absolutely awful. Robbie Gazelman gives up a run in relief. Jurisic Familia, Spanish for blown save, gives up a run. And then Edwin Diaz, the best closer in the big leagues last year, winds up giving up four runs. Wow, that was just absolutely awful. And he winds up taking the loss in this one. As for the Dodgers, they wind up clawing back thanks to a Jock Peterson home run, his 16th of the year. That was off of Diaz. Corey Seager, his sixth dinger of the year. Max Muncie, his 11th. And for Walker Beeler, he just continues to not look like his normal self from last year. What goes five innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including two of those home runs. And Julio Arias out there in the bullpen has been pretty good for this team. But he wound up giving up two home runs himself, and Pedro Baez gave up a run. But all in all, this Mets bullpen, one that cannot be trusted at this point. So what did we learn on this Wednesday? For one, for me, food poisoning sucks, but the Mets bullpen is just absolutely atrocious. The Cincinnati Reds might be back to playing some unders, but we want to be checking in on their totals. The Yankees have great bullpen pitching and an incredible offense. The Angels have become an over team along with the Oakland A's. 
The Rangers and the Mariners continue to get bad pitching, but good offense. The Indians' offense might finally be clicking. The Detroit Tigers might finally be starting to find some pitching. The St. Louis Cardinals' starting staff is not very good. The Tampa Bay Rays just continue to win games. The Miami Marlins are on odd streak. The Washington Nationals have picked it up with their bats. Kyle Hendricks continues to be a starter that you could trust. And then the Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies are getting some decent bullpen pitching as well. And you still can't trust in the duel of Jorge and Ronaldo Lopez. So that is what we learned on this Wednesday. Let's turn the page forward to Thursday. And helping me do so is going to be Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio. That is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. We're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Gill Studios out here in Las Vegas. Great to have on our next guest. He's joined me a couple times so far this season. He joined me on the College Hoops Overtime Betting Podcast as well. He does tremendous work with SB Nation Radio. He's out there in Houston doing a little bit of everything. He runs the Jake Asman show. He does a little bit of everything. He's a five-tool radio broadcaster, as I like to say, because he reports. He does radio show hosting, all the good stuff. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Asman. And Jake, how are you doing today? Greg, that is a phenomenal intro. I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And you know who else is doing great? Your New York Yankees. They are on a terror. We saw them yesterday take down the San Diego Padres with James Paxson coming back in. The team was able to pitch a shutout. What do you make out of this Yankees team? Because I feel like they, at this point, might have the best bullpen out there in the big leagues. They're still dealing with so many injuries, but yet they're still putting up so many runs. It's absolutely amazing to watch. It really is amazing. I mean, the Yankees are a major league best 13-3 and three since May 12th. They're 18-5 and five since May 5th. Since April 19th, they're 27-9, and nine, which is the best record in baseball. You know, over that span, they've won eight straight series. They're 12 and one in their last 13 series after they started the year one and four in their first five series. So it has been a total turnaround despite leading the known universe, as I joke, in injuries. I mean, to do what they're doing without Aaron Judge for the last six weeks, without John Carlos Stanton since the third game of the season. Miguel Andujar has been out for the season basically since the fourth game of the year. You factor in they haven't had Luis Severino all year, their ace. They haven't had Dylan Batantas all year, their best reliever. They haven't had so many different guys top to bottom. CeCe Sabathia has missed time. I mean, you can keep going. Greg Bird has been out since the, the third week of the season. Their opening day starting first baseman. I mean, there have just been so many injuries that they have had. Yeah, they keep winning. And it's amazing. It's a, it's a different person every game. DJ LeMahieu has been great. Luke Voigt in really his first full season with the Yankees after he got acquired last year late in the season and played so well. He's proving he's for real. It's been incredible to watch what this team's been able to do. I mean, guys like Gio Urshela and Thyro Estrada stepping up and having some big hits. So they just had so many different guys come up and, 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 and play well. And I think that's a testament to Brian Cashman and the depth that he built to survive all these injuries. And, you know, Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit as well. People, you know, last year were getting on Aaron Boone. He won 100 games as a rookie manager, and here he is a year later, given all the injuries he's dealing with, and the team's on the same pace they were a year ago. The Yankees are on pace to win over 100 games again this year. So it really is amazing. It's been one of the more remarkable things I've seen, given the injuries they've dealt with. Heck, they're finding production out of guys like Cameron Mabin at this point. It's absolutely insane. I don't know how. I don't know why, but it is incredible. And something else that is incredible is the AL East race in general. The Tampa Bay race just continue to be a bulldozer. Going into Wednesday, they had won 30 of their 33 games by two-plus runs. This is a team that they just don't, they just know how to be able to put on the Jets and they know how to knock off teams. The Boston Red Sox have really picked things up as well. What do you make of this AL East picture in general? Because I do feel like the Yankees are the best team, but I almost feel like all three of the teams I just mentioned might be going to the playoffs. Yeah, no question about it, Greg. You know, before the year started, I, I picked three teams from the American League East to make the playoffs. I had the Yankees winning the division, the Red Sox winning the first wild card, and the Rays winning that second wild card. You know, the Rays... You know, people look at them as the little engine that could. I mean, this is a team that won 90 games a year ago. Here they are at 33 and 19. I mean, they've been playing great baseball for most of the year. You know, they have really good pitching. Kevin Cash is just 
really, really good at getting the best from his players. I think he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, a year ago, they won 90 games, and they were having an opener start three out of the five days in their rotation. But this offseason, you know, they made the big move to obviously add Charlie Borden. He's been really good. Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, gives you an ace at the front of the lineup. Uh, the Rays are a really good team. And then you look at Boston. You know, obviously, they got up to the tough start, but we knew there was too much talent there for them to be that bad. So they have certainly played a whole lot better. You know, it will be fascinating. Yankees, Red Sox play a four-game set, and it'll be fascinating just to see, you know, what what the Red Sox could do in this four-game series, have the Yankees play against them as you get, you know, really two teams that are clearly going to be fighting for that American League East all year going at it in a big series coming up this weekend. Absolutely. As we do have Jake Asman joining me right here on the podcast, and I think we do have a really interesting pitching matchup on Thursday. Chris Sale goes for the Boston Red Sox. Jay Happ goes for the New York Yankees. Now, Jay Happ, probably the weakest starter, I would say, for the New York Yankees, 509 ERA. He's given up 14 home runs so far this year, but Chris Sale, one and six record. It just seems like he's getting no support from anyone around him. What do you make out of this game that's coming up for Thursday? Because I do think that this is a really intriguing spot. Yeah, no question. I mean, Chris Sale, I watched him in person when the Red Sox were in Houston last weekend. The take on the Astros, his defense behind him was terrible that night. I, I didn't even think Chris Sale pitched that bad. It's just the defense around him was really bad and, and really let him down. His final line, whatever it ended up being, was not nearly as bad as he actually he pitched, I thought. So it's a bit misleading, you know, looking at his record. He has pitched a whole lot better after a rough start. You know, the Yankees historically have not hit Chris Sale very well. They got him a couple times over the last few years, but he has dominated them for the most part. So it's important for Jay Happ to give the Yankees a strong start. Happ has been up and down this year. His high ERA could be attributed to the fact that he's been rocked in a couple of his outings. He's also had a couple of really good outings. It's just been a mixed bag for Happ, but he's someone that has really good career numbers against the Boston Red Sox, which is a big reason why the Yankees traded for him last year at the deadline and why they re-signed him. So I think it's a fascinating matchup. It's a four-game series. All these games are important. And when you look at the American League East standings, you know, obviously, you know, the Yankees are playing some great baseball but with a four-game series. Boston already seven games back of the Yankees. They can make up a lot of ground depending on how things go this weekend. So it's a big series for both teams. There's no question about that. Absolutely. And I think that this is a big series for both teams as well. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Minnesota Twins start their series on Thursday as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, you'll have Charlie Morton going on the mound against Martin Perez. This is really intriguing because the Minnesota Twins going into Wednesday's action 37 wins. I don't think anyone saw this coming. The Tampa Bay Rays, we just alluded to them, how they've been doing it with openers and everything like that. But Charlie Morton, one of the better starting pitchers out there in the big leagues at 60 and a third innings. It's only given up four home runs, 254 ERA. What do you make out of this? Because I feel like you've got what many people would deem to be the two most surprising teams out there in the big leagues. But I do think that what the Rays are doing is a little bit more sustainable than the Minnesota Twins, just because with the Twins, you can't think that they're going to continue to two home runs a game every game. You know, the Twins have been some story. I mean, you know, to have 37 wins at this point, the amount of home runs they continue to hit game in, game out. You're right. It's tough to think that'd be sustainable over the course of an entire season. But, you know, they got a team of absolute mashers, man. I mean, what you're getting from Jorge Polanco at short, I mean, he's been an okay player. He's never been this. I mean, right now, if the, you know, all-star voting concluded today, to me, he'd be the starting shortstop in the American League. He's been that good, either him or Gleyber Torres on the Yankees. I mean, Polanco's been amazing. Rosario is really coming to his own in left field. Buxton in center has been outstanding. CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope. I mean, they made a, a nice signing, I thought, under the radar by getting Marwin Gonzalez signing him away from Houston. He could play all these different positions for you. I mean, they have a really nice lineup. Nelson Cruz, obviously, your designated hitter. You know, we know what he could do with the bat. But, you know, the thing with the Twins that I'm keeping my eyes on is their starting rotation. You know, they have Berrios up the front. Odorizzi's been great. But I don't love Pineda. I want to see what they have from Gibson and, and Perez in that rotation as well. What they do at the deadline to me could be fascinating. If, they, if they're in contention, which clearly they're going to be with the way they played, do they – pull the trigger on a starting pitcher that could become available. Or maybe they're a team that signs Dallas Keuchel after the draft where they wouldn't have to give up that compensation pick. I do think they're another starter or two away for being a legit contender, but there's no doubt. I mean, their lineup is as good as any in baseball right now, and they're mashing the baseball game in, game out. And on this fine podcast, we do call Michael Pineda, Michael Pineda, because everyone gets a little bit of candy whenever they bat against him, as we do have Jake Asman joining me right here on the podcast. And, a team the that you're, on the mound. 
Oh, always. You always <laughs> have to go over whatever Mr. Pinata is out there. And right now, if you had a prop on the amount of injuries that the Houston Astros would sustain, that would certainly be on the over. I know that you're currently out there with the Houston, you're out there in the city of Houston. You cover this team quite a bit. Just how stunning is it that George Springer and Carlos Correa both go on the injured list essentially seven days within each other? Yeah, Houston's been beat up. I mean, it has been, it has been unbelievable. And, you know, as I'm talking to you, Greg, the news came down that Correa's injury that he's going to be out for with the, the fractured rib that he suffered, it came from, get this, a massage. He sustained oh, his rib God. injury during a massage at his home on Tuesday. He put out a statement just now as we're talking. So I'm trying to read the statement as I'm talking to you, but you can't make this up. He legitimately suffered a an injury from a massage. So it's just been brutal for the Ashes for the injury bug. He's going to miss some time. George Springer is out right now dealing with complications from a hamstring injury, and, and he's been on the injured list, and, and that's obviously a big blow. So right now you look at the Houston Astros, who don't have Springer, now obviously don't have Correa, and they've been without Jose Altuve, who had a setback in his rehab. This team's beat up. This team is like the Yankees. They keep winning despite their injuries, but you know eventually it does catch up with you. So Houston obviously going through the injury bug, just like the Yankees have been, you know, really since the start of the season. Yeah, I I just am seeing that right now too. An injury from a massage. My goodness, there, there are so many of- jokes to be made there, man. Like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's just one of those injuries. We see it in baseball. I still remember Brandon Morrow of the Chicago Cubs last year got injured putting pants on. I just feel like baseball in general, <laughs> it's the most random injuries ever. I mean, who injures themselves putting on pants? Yeah, I just, I can't believe that. You know, the, the, some of these injuries in baseball truly are amazing. But this one, it's like he suffered the injury because he was dealing with a, he, he was getting a massage. Like, uh, how's that? How's that? How do you get, how do you fracture a rib by getting, what type of masseuse are you working with that you're fracturing your, your ribs from a massage? It must have been like a kung fu fighter in disguise and they just did like a massive karate chop or something like that. I don't know what to tell you there. And there's a team that I don't know what to tell you much about and that's the LA Angels. This team has been very up and down. Shoei Otani, ever since he's gotten back in the lineup, just has not really been doing a whole heck of a lot for them. And then another team that is just very befuddling at this point is the Seattle Mariners. They're going to be doing battle on Thursday. It's going to be Yusuke Kikuchi going on the mound for the Mariners. And the LA Angels at this point just don't have a starter. What have you made out of these two teams? Because it feels like the Angels are starting to really get things going with the bat. But at the same time, their pitching has just went to complete mush. Meanwhile, with the Seattle Mariners, they are not sustaining the very hot start that they had at the beginning of the year, and I think everyone saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, 24-33 and 33 as we take this. I mean, they were 13-2 and two to start the season, I believe. So, I mean, my goodness, did it unravel for them quickly. I had not looked at the standings in a couple of days, and I had no idea that they, they fell all the way down to 24-33. and 33. I mean, that is brutal. As far as the Angels, they're just not very good. Okay, they, they have some guys that can hit. Obviously, they got the game's best player in Trout. Otani did give himself... You know, a big, a big game the other night. He had a big hit in the ninth inning to put him past the A's I saw. But, you know, for the most part, this is an Angels team that we knew a lot had to go right for them to be in contention. Matt Harvey, they gave a one year, $11 million contract to. I was stunned that he got $11 million from any team. And he's been bad and he was on the DL and now he's on the DL because he's hurt. Albert Pujols is at the twilight of his career. He's hitting 228 this season. He's been brutal. You know, obviously, you have some big pieces in Trout, and, you know, David Fletcher's been nice for them as a shortstop. But, you know, we're talking about a team that we knew was probably not going to be very good. So if they were going to be in contention, it would take career years from everyone. And they haven't been getting it. You look at their pitching rotation, and, you know, outside of, you know, Trevor Cahill, you probably don't know a lot of the names we're talking about. Tyler Scads and, you know, Felix Pena, and obviously Harvey, I mentioned, but he's now on the deal, and he's been bad. I just... It's a team that's another couple of years away from really being a legitimate contender. Oh, absolutely. As we do have Jake Asman right here on the podcast. That's tremendous work for SB Nation Radio. And then there are just so many teams that it feels like there's a big divide between the haves and the haves not in baseball right now. We talk about how there might be three teams coming out of the AL East in regards to a playoff spot. And it's just when you take a look at the standings in general, is there any team that you think could really ascend? Because I'm noticing in the American League, 
Other than I would say the Indians and perhaps the Texas Rangers, everyone is either way above 500 and in playoff contention, and that's most of the AL East, and everyone else is just way below 500, and they just can't seem to get much going for them. Yeah, no question. I think the American League and baseball as a whole, it's got a problem, Greg. I mean, you said it best. You look at the standings in the AL, you have the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox. You figure at least two of those teams are going to be playoff teams, whoever wins the division, plus a wild card. And as we talked about, there's a scenario where the Rays and Red Sox both can make the playoffs as wild cards if the Yankees end up winning the division. In the Central, everyone thought, well, it would be the Indians' division for another year. But with the way the Twins are playing, I mean, they're 10 games in front of the Cleveland Indians, who are a 500 team. It's not like they've been terrible. They haven't hit much, but they're hanging around. They're 27 and 27 as we tape this. I mean, they're 10 games back already. See, that doesn't look like a real competitive race. And then you look out west, yeah, Houston has a ton of injuries, but even after the A's won 10 games in a row, they're still seven and a half games back of Houston. So, you know, I I don't sleep on the A's. I think they're a team that we've seen that can get red hot in the second half. They just won 10 in a row, so we know they're capable of playing great baseball. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the standings, we kind of know basically outside of how the Central might shake up and and, and I guess what Oakland ends up doing with that second wild card in regards to Tampa and the Red Sox, we kind of know who the playoff teams are going to be from the AL, whereas the NL, it's way more wide open. There's there's more of a debate of who the best teams are and, and how things are going to unfold there. Absolutely. You've got so many teams out there in the NL that are right around 500. You've got teams like the St. Louis Cardinals, Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, list goes on and on. Meanwhile, in the AL, big, massive divide. But something that is not divided is the audience that Jake Asman gets on his radio shows. And I would like to close it up with this, Jake. I know you're doing tremendous work with SB Nation Radio. I know that you do a little bit of everything. Let the good people at home know where they can find you. Know how they can follow you on social media. On my Twitter account, at Jake Asman. That's Jake A-S-M-A-N. And then I do a show every night, as you're talking about, from 7 to 8 Eastern, Monday through Thursday on SB Nation Radio. And then also do a show every Saturday from 4 to 7 Eastern. So I'm all around. I'm always on. And uh, love to engage anyone on Twitter. Terrific. A big thanks to Jake Asman for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Now, coming up next, it is that time the podcast where I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board. And a little something I like to call Touch Them All. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's Gold with me, Steve Heitner. Big thanks to Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio for joining me last segment as we're back here in the Zunitico Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas Betting Board and a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any plays that are currently not up on the board, things are pending, anything like that, Going to be noted up on my Twitter feed at JuniorSquarty1. I'll keep you abreast of it as I go along through this as well. Some of these plays are all locked in, bet on, good to go. Some of these plays, I am waiting on line moves, I'm waiting on lineup changes, things like that. And we start, as always, in Las Vegas rotation order. And in this case, it is 951-952. The St. Louis Cardinals are in Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. Jared Eikhoff goes for the Phillies to Good Hudson. For the St. Louis Cardinals, total in this game is 10. Over and under, both at minus 110. If you're taking a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, going to be laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Plus price here with the St. Louis Cardinals, anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Jared Eikhoff has been a little bit of a streaky pitcher, but I have a little bit more faith in him over Dakota Hudson in this spot. For Dakota Hudson, this is a gentleman that actually had a good start his last time out, but all in all for the year, He's just had a massive walks issue. It's a little bit befuddling just because he is backed up by a pretty decent bullpen, but he has a 3-3 record, 4-2-2 ERA, 53 in the third innings. He's given up nine home runs, but 24 walks. Meanwhile, you take a look at Eikhoff. His walks probably a little bit too high as well, 15 of them in 42 innings. 
386 ERA, 119 whip. He's given up seven home runs himself. And then with both these lineups, you've got a pair of lineups that are doing a pretty good job of being able to hit the St. Louis Cardinals. Offense has been doing pretty good, but the off but the average seems to be on the decline a little bit. Paul DeYoung is right now leading the team with regards to average. He's hitting just below 300 at this point. We've seen Jose Martinez really fall off the map as well. This is a guy that was hitting 330 for a lot of the season. He's now hitting below 300 himself, and he's been out of the lineup the past couple days. Dexter Feller has seen his average dip to right around a 250. I will say Paul Goldschmidt is picking it up. He's now hitting 270 to go along with a double-digit amount of home runs. But Marcel Ozuna, despite the fact that he has been providing a lot of power, hitting just 230 to go along with his 15 home runs. Yadier Molina is dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, but I will say that Matt Wieters, not a bad replacement there. And then you've got Yario Munoz, who's seeing a little bit of time in the infield. He's hitting above 300. Harrison Bader has been stepping up himself. But then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. You've got Andrew McCutcheon getting his average just below 260. Gene Segura hitting above 300. We all know that Bryce Harper is up and living up to his contract, only hitting right around 235 while leading the league in strikeouts. But he is still a guy that has a lot of power. Reese Hoskins. Now is his average up to a 270. he He's got 13 home runs to go with 41 RBI. Sean Kingery and Cesar Hernandez, both guys hitting above 300. And I will say, Miguel Franco, ever since the beginning of the year, has really fallen off a cliff with his average. He's now hitting 220. But this is a spot where I have a little bit more faith in guys like Hector Neris and company out there in the bullpen of the Philadelphia Phillies. For the St. Louis Cardinals, you still have some guys like Dominique Leone and... Andrew Miller that are decent bullpen arms, but they're just guys that haven't necessarily clicked this year. So for that reason, I am aboard the Philadelphia Phillies and the under in this spot. On both of these, I'm in wait and see mode to see what numbers I'm going to be able to get in particular, but we're going to be locked and loaded on both of those at some point in the morning. 953, 954 on the bang rotation. This game is off the board, and it is between the San Francisco Giants and the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcadero will go for the Marlins. Meanwhile, Tyler Beattie goes for the San Francisco Giants. I believe it was the Giants that were a little bit undetermined on a starter until yesterday afternoon. So for that reason, this game is off the board. And with the San Francisco Giants, the free fall just continues. And Beattie is absolutely awful. Six and two-thirds innings. He's got a 13.50 ERA. He's not going to go very far. And with the San Francisco Giants, we've got some guys that... In short relief, do a good job out there in the bullpen, guys like Sam Dyson and company, but when it comes to the long relief, it has not been good. You've got guys like Derek Holland that you really can't trust in. It's just really been one of those issues where the San Francisco Giants have been going from an over have been going from an under team to an over team, and for all the wrong reasons, because their offense still has not clicked. These are two of the worst offenses that you'll find in the league. Giants as a collective hitting 221, Miami Marlins at 229, but Sandy Alcantara actually has been starting to find it with regards to his command in 58 innings. 26 walks is very high, but he's been limiting those a little bit more. 450 ERA, he's given up six home runs, and for the Miami Marlins, they seem to actually really be gelling at this point. This is a squad that I believe has won nine out of its last 12 games, so this is a team that you can actually trust with regards to a little bit of a hot streak. Now, I will say that whenever you have a guy like Sergio Romo in there to try to close things out, it's a little bit of a sweat. We saw that on full display yesterday, but you do like that Jorge Alfaro. has eight home runs for the team. He's now hitting nearly 280. He's really stepped up. Martin Prado has seen his average dip to a 236. Miguel Rojas is hitting a 250, but Harold Ramirez hitting 400 was completely unforeseen for this team. The Miami Marlins have by far the fewest home runs out there in the league, but Neil Walker hitting nearly 300 as big. Garrett Cooper is only going to get 222. And Brett Anderson and Sterling Castro both hitting in the mid-230s, but at least things seem to be starting to gel for them. Meanwhile, the San Francisco Giants, you were getting a little bit out of Mike Ustremski in the first couple games. He's now hitting at the Mendoza line. Buster Posey, 248. Their best are at this point is Pablo Sandoval, 297, and he leads the team in home runs, along with Brandon Belt, who's got eight dingers, but he's got a 232 average. Kevin Pillar, Brandon Crawford, both these guys hitting 212 or worse. Joe Panic is hitting a 250 and Steven Duger a 240. So just not a lot to be had there. This is a spot where I'm probably going to be leaning towards the Miami Marlins and the over. But check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 for set plays there. 955, 956 on the bank rotation. The Colorado Rockies play the Arizona Diamondbacks. Taylor Clark goes for the Diamondbacks. Meanwhile, 
Colorado has Kyle Freeland going. Total in this game is 11.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 142 and minus 145. Plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks, plus 130 to plus 135. Kyle Freeland has just fallen off a massive cliff so far this year. In his last start, the Colorado Rockies wound up losing to the lowly Baltimore Orioles at home. He is 2-6, 6.71 ERA, and he's lending himself to way too much hard contact, which as we know at Coors, not good. 56 and a third innings, 14 home runs given up, just 48 punchouts. Meanwhile with Clark, he's only had a couple starts so far this year, but in 15 and a third innings, has only walked three, given up one home run, 2.93 ERA, and a 1-1 whip in his very small sample size. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, it looks like they're going to be getting back David Peralta. Gentleman that's hitting above 300 for this team. He's able to provide some power. That's going to be big for them. You've also got a couple guys that do a very good job of just being able to set the table and get on, like Gerard Dyson. Gerard Dyson hitting nearly 280 so far this year. Eduardo Escobar does a little bit of everything because not only is his average a 287, but he's also got 13 home runs and 42 RBI. Then you've got other guys that, whenever needed, are able to step up because we saw Gerard Dyson out of the lineup yesterday, so let's bring in Tim LaCrastro, a guy that's sitting above 300. They've been getting a lot of production out of Adam Jones. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs, to hitting 270. Kevin Crone has his average going in the right direction as well. Nick Ahmad is hitting at 280. And then with the Diamondbacks, their bullpen isn't necessarily great. You've got Yoshi Arano struggling, and Archie Bradley is up and down, but I do like Greg Holland as a reliever. Meanwhile, with the Colorado Rockies, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, and Scott Oberg are all very good arms, but then you've got the longer relievers like your DJ Johnson's a company, and they're not doing very good along with So Oh. And then with the Rockies, you got a team that does a great job of being able to rip the cover off the ball, but you do have a couple struggling bats out there as well. Mark Reynolds hitting below the Mendoza line. Ian Nesman seems to be getting right, but he's still just hitting 230 himself. We all know what Nolan Arenado is able to do, though. 333 average, 15 home runs, 46 RBI. He has been incredible. Remy LTP at the top of the lineup hitting 283. Trevor Story, a 270 himself. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. David Dahl hitting just below 300. You got to like the way that Chris Iannetta is upping his average and whatever he's out there. Tony Walters hitting a 300 as well. And then you've got Brendan Rodgers, who's now hitting 300 in the infield as well. So with this, I do like the Arrows and I Diamondbacks in this spot. I just have not been able to get behind Kyle Freeland. He's just struggling. And I do think that Clark is going to be able to deliver a good start here. So going to be riding the Diamondbacks and the under. Just wait and see what as to the exact numbers I'll wind up getting. 957-958 on the bank rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates play also the Milwaukee Brewers. It is Chase Anderson going for the Brewers. Joe Musgrove for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Total in this game is 8.5. The 8.5 comes with juice that is all over the place. Over and under, both between minus 105 and minus 115. So you've got your pickings there. If you like the Milwaukee Brewers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 107 and minus 115. If you like the Buccos, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 103 and getting plus 105. I do like the Milwaukee Brewers in this spot just because Joe Musgrove has really been showing some chinks in the armor. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, Chase Anderson is a very underrated starter, in my opinion. He's 2 0, 3 2 5 ERA, 27 and 2 thirds innings. He's walked 13, which is a bit high, but has only given up three home runs and has 29 strikeouts. Musgrove, meanwhile, 3 5 record. Got off to a very good start this year and has only given up two home runs, but he's been lending himself to a lot more contact recently. That has obviously been an issue. When you take a look at Musgrove and what he's done out there in the month of May, he had that really good outing against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but in every other start, he's given up three-plus runs, and in three of his five starts, he's given up at least five. So that is something that you really want to note. And with the Pittsburgh Pirates, their bullpen has been absolutely anemic recently. They're giving up runs left and right. Francisco Lariano and Vasquez, two trustworthy relievers for the team, but past that, other than maybe Kyle Crick, not a whole lot of guys that you could trust in. For the Milwaukee Brewers, you got to think that Josh Hader is going to be available in this game after he was last year's a few days ago. Matt Elbers has been solid out of the bullpen for this team as well. Obviously, the Jeremy Jeffries situation, a little bit unfortunate. But with the Brewers, you also have a tremendous slugger in Christian Yelich. And on the other side for the Pirates, you have one as well in Josh Bell. 345 average, 18 home runs, and 51 RBI for Bell. Yelich, 21 dingers. 314 average, 44 RBI. He has been absolutely sensational for the team so far this year. And then with the Milwaukee Brewers, they're getting some help from the friends as well as Mike Boustakis has been doing a great job of being able to 
provides some power for this team. He's hitting 256. His home run count is up to 13. Yasmani Grandel, 11 dingers, 268 average. Jesus Aguiar still hitting below the Mendoza line, but Kesson here and Orlando are at the bottom of the lineup. Both hitting above 260. Hernan Perez has his average up to a 255. And then you've got Ryan Braun hitting a 280 as well. It seems like he's getting healthy. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Kevin Newman has been doing a very good job with the average for this team. He's hitting above 300 along with Melky Cabrera. Melky Cabrera hitting more in the realm of 320 for this team as well. Sterling Marte and Gregory Polanco have been doing quite well for this team. Polanco has his average right around a 270. And then with Sterling Marte, he's averaging right around a 260. Colin Moran hitting a 263. Elias Diaz has really come on with the average as well. He's now hitting a 265. And all in all, I do think that we're going to see quite a few runs in this game. So I've already locked in the over, but I'm going to be on the Brewers in this spot. I just feel like they've got a little bit of better starting pitching and just a better lineup in general. Game 959-960 on the bagging rotation. You've got the New York Mets in Los Angeles to face off against the Dodgers. Hunjin Ryu goes for the Dodgers. Jason Vargas for the New York Mets. Total on this game is 8. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you like the Mets, going to be getting a very nice plus price here. That is anywhere between plus 190 and plus 215. Want to lay it here with the Dodgers. That's anywhere between minus 220 and minus 250. I really love what I've seen out of Hunjin Ryu so far this year. And Jason Vargas has actually looked a little bit better himself. He just made his first start off the injured list, but he's actually been a little bit better than he was last year. Before, it was just a total auto fade with Jason Vargas. Now it is going to be a fade in this spot. I am all aboard the LA Dodgers, and I'm going to be all aboard them on the run line. I'm currently seeing them right around a minus 115, depending on where you look. I'm in wait and see mode to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better price. But Jason Vargas, 5-2-2 ERA, 29 and third innings. He's given up five home runs and 15 walks, but he's been doing a better job of We'll make some hard contact, but Hunjin Ryu, what more could be said about him? 7-1 record, 165 ERA, 0.83 whip, 4 walks in 65 and a third inning, 6 home runs surrendered, 62 punch outs. He has been great. And with the LA Dodgers, you've got a guy in Cody Bellinger that is just absolutely amazing. 382 average, 20 home runs, 51 RBI. He has been doing a little bit of everything for this team, and he has been doing it all well. You've also got Jock Peterson, who's has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. He's been in a little bit of a pinch hitting role the past couple days, but he's got his average up to right around a 265, and his home run count currently at 15. You've got David Fries is hitting 257 now. BD has his average up to a 250. Josh Turner is hitting just below 300. Chris Taylor has his average up to a 240, which is encouraging considering he was hitting below the Mendoza line at some point. You have Max Muncy who's now hitting 265. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. Alex Verdugo has come back to earth, but he's still hitting above 300 himself. So you've got so many options for this team. Meanwhile, for the New York Mets, Amit Rosario is hitting 262, which is nice, but you can tell that they're missing Jeff McNeil, a guy who at the top lineup was hitting 333. J.D. Davis has seen his average dip to a 260. I will say that Michael Conforto hitting a 266 with some power is good as well. He's got 10 home runs so far this year, and they're getting something out of Dominic Smith as well. He's hitting above 300 for this team. And Pete Alonso has been one of the best power bats out there in the big league so far this year. 17 home runs, hitting just above 250. And then Wilson Ramos has his average up to a 265. The Todd father, Todd Frazier, has been doing decent. And then you've got Carlos Gomez and Denny Hechevarria both rounding into form. But with the New York Mets, really hard to have any faith in the bullpen at this point. It looked like they were starting to turn things around. And then guys like Taylor Bashler and Robbie Gazelman and company just reverted back to their old selves. And with the Dodgers, they don't necessarily have the best bullpen either, but I don't think it's going to be used very much in the spot. So going to be aboard the Dodgers run line and the under in this spot because I do think that Hunjin Ryu gives another jump. Justin Wayne Seymour has to do the exact numbers I'll be locking in. 961-962 on the bang rotation. The New York Yankees play to the Boston Red Sox. Chris Sale goes for the Boston Red Sox. Jay Happ goes for the New York Yankees. Told him this game's 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and even. If you like the Red Sox, you're going to be laying it here. Anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150. Plus price with the New York Yankees. Anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. I do like the Yankees in the spot. I know that Jay App is going to have a little bit of a pitching disadvantage against Chris Sale. But Chris Sale 
just has not been his normal self so far this year. It just feels like something always goes wrong for him in one of his starts, whether it's him in general, whether it's the defense or anything like that, because you look at Sale, 1-6 record, 4-1-9 ERA. He's been one of the bottom five pitchers with regards to making you money so far this year. 88 punch-outs and 62 and a third innings is nice, but he's given up 10 home runs and 18 walks. Now, Jay Happ has given up the home runs himself. 14 of them in 58 and a third innings to go with his 509 ERA, but he backed up by a bullpen that involves guys like Tommy Canely, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman. And for the Boston Red Sox, the bullpen seems to be doing a pretty good job as well. You do have guys like Marcus Walden, Matt Barnes, and Brandon Workman that have all been doing a very nice job. But for the Boston Red Sox, they really had to go into that bullpen and they had to go deep into it yesterday in the game in which they gave up 14 runs to the Cleveland Indians. Obviously, that was not ideal, but with the Boston Red Sox, you do have some guys that are really starting to find it with the bat. Xander Bogart, 10 home runs. He's hitting 293 so far this year. Jackie Bradley Jr. Selling below the Mendoza line, but things seem to be going well for him as well. Brad Colt and Eduardo Nunez both hitting below 205, but they seem to be taking strides in the right direction. Christian Vasquez is hitting above 300. Michael Chavis hitting 270. 10 home runs so far this year. Andrew Benintendi seems to be finally getting out of his funk. He's now hitting 260. Mookie Betts at 291. J.D. Martinez has seen his average go to right around a 300, but he's got a double-digit amount of home runs as well, and Rafael Devers is hitting 325. Then you look at the flip side for the New York Yankees. You've got a whole bunch of guys that are stepping up for the team. Gio Urshela is hitting above 320. You've got DJ LeMahieu, who's also hitting above 300. Glaber Torres is doing a little bit of everything for the squad. Has his average right around a 290, and then he's just been supplying the power of 14 home runs. Luke Voigt, 14 home runs. Gary Sanchez actually now has 16 home runs for the squad. You do have Kendrys Morales and Austin Romine, two guys are struggling, but even Cameron Mabin hitting a 280. Clint Frazier, 270. Brett Gardner has really found it in the past couple weeks. So this is a spot where I look at the Yankees being able to win a little bit of a higher scoring game and win C-mode on the over in the Yankees, but I'm going to be playing both of those in this spot. 963-964 on the bang rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays play to the Minnesota Twins. Martin Perez goes for the Minnesota Twins. Charlie Morton goes for the Tampa Bay Rays. Told him this game is 8. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you like the Tampa Bay Rays, going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 136. Plus price here with the Twins, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 126. Martin Perez has been very solid for the Minnesota Twins, but Charlie Morton has been terrific for the Tampa Bay Rays as well. We talked about this with our guest in the last segment, Jake Asman, and both these guys, I think, are going to be able to deliver a pretty quality start. For Charlie Morton, 5-0 record. He's got 77 strikeouts in 60 and a third innings. He's only given up four home runs. Perez, meanwhile, 295 ERA, 58 innings pitch. He's only given up five long balls, but the 26 walks are an issue. And for Morton, he's given up 27 walks. So I think both these teams will draw some free passes. Eddie Rosario has been terrific for the Twins. 17 home runs, 47 RBI, hitting 282. Jorge Polanco hitting 335 himself. He's been absolutely amazing for this team. And then you just take a look up and down the lineup of the Minnesota Twins. Nearly everyone has a double-digit amount of home runs. This team is on pace for over 315 long balls so far this year. And with C.J. Crone, you're getting a guy that's hitting 270, and he's already got 13 home runs. Max Kepler, double-digit amount of home runs. He's hitting 282 at the top of the lineup. Miguel Sano has been back in the lineup for a little bit over two weeks. He's provided five long balls. Jonathan Scope has been terrific himself. He's hitting 260 with 10 home runs. Marwan Gonzalez has upped his average. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, you're getting a whole lot of offense out of Austin Meadows. 356 average, 12 home runs, 31 RBI. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. You've got a whole bunch of guys that just know how to get on, and quite a few of those guys have some power themselves. Avicio Garcia, 10 home runs so far this year. He's been doing a nice job with his average at a 289. Brandon Lowe, 281 average. He's got a double-digit amount of home runs. G-Man Choi hitting 255. Tommy Pham, just below 300. Kevin Kiermaier and William Thomas both hitting between 235 and 245, but both have been doing a little bit of a better job with the bat, though I will say Eric Kratz and Daniel Robertson both leaving something to be desired, but I do think we're going to get a good pitcher's duel here, and I think the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that has won all but three of their games by 
two plus runs is going to be able to win, but I do think that this could be a spot where we see a one run game. So I'm going to play it. Sli- I'm going to play it safe. I've already locked in the race on the money line, and I'm currently waiting see mode as to what number I'm going to be able to get on this total under. 965-966 on the bag rotation. The Texas Rangers play host to the Kansas City Royals. Jacob Junis goes for the Royals. Mike Miner goes for the Rangers. So in this game is 10. Over and under, both have juice of minus 110. If you're looking at the Texas Rangers, going to be laying it here. That to the tune of anywhere between minus 165 and minus 175. Plus price here on the Kansas City Royals is anywhere between plus 158 and plus 153. This is a spot where I do have to take a look at the Texas Rangers. I love what I've seen out of Mike Miner. And I'm not just going to be looking at the Texas Rangers money line. I'm going to be looking at them on the run line because this is a team that really does score a lot of its runs in bunches. I mentioned it with Mike Miner. 5-3 record, 2-5-5 ERA, 70 and two-thirds innings. He's given up just seven home runs, 72 punch outs, 22 walks. Jacob Junis, meanwhile, he's got a 5-5-8 ERA. He's given up 10 home runs and 61 and a third innings, 23 walks. And then with the Rangers, you've got Joey Gallows just still putting up big numbers. 278 average, 15 home runs, 35 RBI. It has been a godsend for this team. Now with the Texas Rangers, you still have a couple guys that are struggling out there for this team. Isaiah Kinnear-Felfa, and get 226. Jeff Mathis, 149. Ronald Guzman, 200. Runan Dordor below the Mendoza line. And Drew Cabrera, 224. But with Cabrera, he's also provided nine home runs this year. But then you've got Danny Santana hitting nearly 300. Elvis Andrews, 311. Logan Forsyth above 300. Hunter Pence has a 304 average. He's doing a great job with the home runs and being able to drive guys in as well. And then you take a look at the Kansas City Royals. Just a massive divide between the guys that are really able to hit for this team and the guys that are just not really holding up their end of the bargain. Whit Merrifield and Adelberto Mondesi both doing a terrific job of being able to get on base. Mondesi's hitting 280. He's got over 40 RBI. Whit Merrifield, 293 average. But then you've got the guys at the bottom of the lineup not doing well. Billy Hamilton sitting 223, Martin Maldonado 212, Cam Gallagher hitting well below 200, Ryan O'Hearn hitting right around a 190, Nicky Lopez, he's actually towards the top lineup, but he's seen his average dip below a 220 itself. But then you've got Hunter Dozier and Alex Gordon that are terrific. Dozier hitting 315, he's got 11 home runs, and then with Alex Gordon, he's been providing some power as well. He's got a 277 average to go along with his 9 home runs and 37 RBI as well. So this is a spot where the Royals bullpen does absolutely stink. I will admit that. And the Rangers, they have a bad bullpen as well, but I think that Mike Miner is going to be able to go very deep into his start. And I think that he's going to be able to allow the Rangers to be able to win a game very convincingly. I am going to be taking the Rangers run line here, and I've already locked it in at plus 110, just in wait and see mode on the under that I'm going to be able to get and the juice there. 967, 968 on the bag rotation. This one has a bunch of fun names. I'm feeling under the weather, but we're going to do our best on it. As it is the Cleveland Indians on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Manuel Benuelos goes for the Chicago White Sox. Carlo Carrasco for the Cleveland Indians. Hopefully that was satisfactory for you guys as we've got a total on this game of nine. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Indians, that is anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. Plus price here on the Chicago White Sox, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. I want absolutely no part of Mr. Benuelos in this spot. I know that Carlos Carrasco really does lend himself to a little bit too much hard contact, but Benuelos, the worst first five pitcher out there in the big leagues, according to our good friends out there at Oddshark, 2-4 record, 7-7-1 ERA. He's given up 10 home runs in 35 innings, 22 walks. Meanwhile, with Carrasco, 13 home runs given up in 58 and two-thirds innings, 4-6 ERA, 4-5 and five record, but you do know this with the Cleveland Indians. You've got one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. They didn't necessarily show it the past couple days against the Boston Red Sox, but guys like Nick Woodgren, Brad Hand, and company have been doing great for them. Oliver Perez, Adam Kimber, the list goes on and on. And with the White Sox, they've got improving bullpen. After they really struggled at the beginning of the year, they've been getting some good performances, especially Alex Colome, the closer. Jace Fry has been a good bridge guy as well recently. But with the Cleveland Indians, they're starting to really find it with the bats. You've got Carlos Santana hitting nearly a 275. He's got nine home runs. He's been doing a good job of being able to provide some pop. Francisco Lindor obviously seems to be getting into his own. He's hitting 290, and he's been able to provide right around seven home runs as Santana actually hit his 10th home run of the year yesterday. So that was also good for this team. You've got Jason Kipnis still struggling. He's hitting just a 222, but Oscar Mercado has a 333 average for this team. 
Jose Ramirez, Jake Bowers, Greg Allen, though. All these guys hitting 215 or worse. You've got Leonis Martin hitting 223, Kevin Pilecki below the Mendoza line, and Roberto Perez a 230. But it does feel like the Indians have been doing a good job of hitting the White Sox and hitting them hard. We all remember the last couple series. They were able to explode for a bunch of A-plus run performances. And for the White Sox, you've got some measures as well. Tim Anderson hitting 337 for this team. He's provided eight home runs. Jose Abreu has really been the power bat for them. Hitting just above 250, but the home run count is currently at 13. He's got over 40 RBI to boot. Yoan Moncada has done a great job with his average along with Luis Garcia at the top of the lineup. Moncada hitting right around 280. Garcia, 295. Charlie Tilson hitting a 295 himself. Yomer Sanchez seems to be doing a better job as well. 245 average there. Eloy Jimenez hitting just 210, but he's got some pop in the back. And then Yonder Alonso, Wunks, and Castillo, both hitting below the Mendoza line is an issue. But Josh McCann has been a nice find at the catcher spot as well. Hitting just below 350 to go with four home runs himself. But this is a spot where I do think that the Indians should be able to manhandle the Chicago White Sox. Currently, the run line price I'm seeing on the Indians is minus 115. I'm in wait and see mode to try to see if I'm able to get a little bit of a better number, but I'm going to be on this total over. Also, in wait and see mode to try to get more of a minus 105 or minus 110 juice number on that over rather than the highly juice numbers we're seeing right now. And we wrap things up with 969, 970 on the bang rotation. The Seattle Mariners play host the LA Angels. Tyler Skaggs goes for the Angels. You see Kikuchi for the Seattle Mariners. Total on this game is 8.5. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Angels, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between even and plus 107. Want to lay it here with the Seattle Mariners. That's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 117. Both these teams have left a lot to be desired with regards to their bullpens recently. The Angels started out with some very good bullpen pitching. That has really ceased to exist ever since the first month of the year, though. And with Tyler Skaggs, He's been doing a pretty decent job with his team. He's not necessarily going to go out there and light the world on fire, but at the same time, he does a better job of being able to limit some of the hard contact. He should have probably gotten the win in his last start on Saturday, but wound up getting a no decision after going five and two-thirds innings of no runs. He's got a 4-4-0 ERA. And then you take a look at the other side for Kikuchi. He's been up and down so far this year, 3-2 record, 3-82 ERA. Pitches better at home, 63 and two-thirds innings. He's given up nine home runs and 15 walks to go with 50 punch-outs. But with the Seattle Mariners... Who can you really trust out there in the bullpen? It's really hard to find anyone. And then, even with the Angels, guys like Hansel Robles and company have really been blowing the job. But with the LA Angels, you do have Mike Trout. 276 is his average, which is uncharacteristically low for him. But 12 home runs, 30 RBI. Daniel Fletcher's hitting a 315. Tommy Slow, 307. He's got 12 home runs and 34 RBI to go with that. And then with the Angels, Albert Pools is only hitting right around 230, but he's been able to provide eight home runs of his own. They're getting something out of Jared Walsh as well. He's hitting 315 in a small sample size. Brian Goodwin hitting 287. Cole Calhoun only hitting 240, but he's provided some pop on Jonathan Lucroy hitting 270 himself, though Shoei Otani still has not found it for the team. Meanwhile, the Seattle Mariners, you don't have a lot of guys hitting for a tremendous average, but they've got 100 home runs so far this year. That is through 58 games. That's pretty special, but they seem to be tailing off a little bit. you got to like what Daniel Vogelbach is able to do. He's hitting right around a 258. He's got 15 home runs for this team. Tim Beckham, 10 home runs. Mitch Hanniger, 14 home runs to go with. His average being only at a 228. Malik Smith, only hitting at the Mendoza line, but Shed Long is up to his average to a 240. You've got Tom Murphy, who's hitting a 283. And then Kyle Seeger's back in the lineup. He's hitting 238 in a small sample size, but you got to think that he's going to be able to help things out. Edwin Incarnacion has helped things out with power. 13 home runs so far this year, 244 average. And then Domingo Santana has a 273 average, 10 home runs, 42 RBI. That's obviously big, but I do think that the Angels are going to get a little bit of better pitching here, and I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game that they're able to pull out. So, going to be on the Angels and the over in the spot, just in Wayne Simo to see what set numbers I get. And that will do it for a Thursday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. Big thanks to Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Ever have a question for the podcast? Feel free to tweet it in at GNRSCore81. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.